Hi, it's Pastor Rusty Gunther of First Baptist Church, Blowing Rock. Today's message comes from Nehemiah chapter 6. It's number 12 in our Nehemiah series, Repair, Rebuild, and Restore. It's the completion of the wall. Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 15, 16. The wall's finished. Uh, they're rejoicing. They're celebrating. But there's an underlying message that I wanted to look at this morning dealing with the redemption story. Because you see, at its roots, the story of Nehemiah rebuilding the wall is a redemption story. It's about God redeeming a city. If God cares so much about a city that he went through all this trouble, how much more does he care about you and I? I hope you enjoy today's message uh, recorded May the 5th, 2013 in our early service uh, when burnt and broken becomes beautiful. Let's join our service in progress. Thanks, guys. Grab that stand out of there. When I was a uh, child kid, when I was young, elementary school, growing up, I uh, Coke used to come in bottles. I don't know if any of you remember that, when Coke used to come in the big bottles, not like the little bottles you see now. They used to come in like one-liter bottles that everybody would drink from. Anybody remember that? The one-liter, the big, ugly-looking, skinny one-liter, and it had a big metal cap on the top of it. That was used to how we would get... Coke. Um, it, it was a. Uh, it just was before the two liter bottles, before plastic was around, and uh, they were great because we always had all these bottles around the house, and you could get them in six packs. And the six packs always had these big plastic containers that the bottles would sit in, and you carried them like a. It was just. It was awkward. It was just strange. But it was before. Any of the stuff that we have today was even thought about. But I loved it as a kid because we always had glass bottles around the house. And uh, when you're elementary, when you're a young kid and using a BB gun, that's a, uh, you know, a glass bottle is a fantastic target to take out back in the field behind the house. And my friends and I, we would go and bust all the bottles and shoot as many as we could find. And then one time my mom came to me in the middle of us shooting it and uh, she said, do you not understand that those bottles are worth something? that you can take those bottles back to the store and they will give you money for them. Well, that was unbelievable to me that the store would take empty bottles and give us money. So my friend and I discussed it and we debated it, thought, you know, this can't be a reality. They're not just going to give us money for these trash bottles that we've been shooting, but let's go try it anyway. So we loaded up. I had, we always had a bunch of them around the house. Our garage, my family drank a lot of Coke and uh, we always had tons of these things. And so I grabbed two of the six pack and got on my bike and my friend did the same thing and awkwardly rode our bikes, carrying these six packs of these big bottles down to the store and went down to local Safeway is what the store was there and we handed them these bottles at the customer service and they turned around and gave us 15 cents for a bottle and so with those two six packs I got a dollar 80 like that from just junk well it was mind-blowing to me as a fourth grader a third grader fifth grader that people were going to give me this money and so it became my new job I went around the neighborhood and collected uh, either by asking or taking bottles that I saw around people's houses and uh, going and, and getting money for them and I I have to tell you, you know, I didn't get rich and it wasn't a great windfall, but, uh, you know, for that age and that time in the early 70s, mid 70s, you know, a dollar 80, 90 cents for a six pack. I mean, that, uh, you could play almost four games of Space Invaders with that. So I, you know, it was a huge windfall for me. And I tell you all that just simply because on those bottles, something that I never noticed until I was well into my uh, entrepreneurial career by returning these things, that on the top of those bottles, it said redeem for reward. 
Now, I didn't understand what that meant, that redeem for reward. You know, I, I never really cared because I just knew they gave us money. But one day I was asking my dad, I said, Dad, what does this mean on top of this bottle that says redeem for reward? And my dad gave a definition that I, I, I can't forget and I haven't forgotten, and I've used it ever since in my ministry. Um, I know he probably doesn't remember giving it. He'll listen to this on, on podcast and he'll say, oh, I remember exactly when I told you. He won't remember. Uh, he's like your dad probably. Uh, but it was so profound because it hit me that it helped explain what that word redeemed was. He says, what redeemed is, is when you take something that doesn't seem of worth, something that's been used up, something that doesn't seem to have a lot of value, and you give it back its value. Now, I want you to think about that for a minute. To redeem something is to take something that doesn't seem of a lot of worth, doesn't seem to have any value, or to have used up its value, and to give it back its value. Now, I've been in seminary and graduate school and Bible college and had a lot of study of theology. I've looked at all of the definitions in the New Testament of what redeemed means, uh, all the Greek words and how they interpret redeemed. Uh, they all have an indication of something uh, being set free. You know, Paul uses the term to describe somebody that was in prison being set free. Uh, Paul also uses it in, in the letter of Ephesians as somebody that was enslaved that is purchased by someone else and given their freedom. Somebody that's being put to death and all of a sudden given freedom. So it has this idea of somebody that's about to lose everything, not worth anything, all of a sudden receiving something of great value. And all of those greatly explain redeemed. But for me, my favorite is still my dad's definition because it gives a snapshot of what it means in my life to be redeemed. That God in his infinite glory took me something that was without value something that was corrupted something that was a mess and he gave me value you see I am who I am not because of what I've done not because of what I bring to the table not because of what I can do or because of my abilities or my looks or, or my income I am who I am because of whose I am because Jesus Christ redeemed me. See, that's, that's my God story. And that's some of your God stories. That, that God redeemed me from my sin. That Jesus' blood redeemed me from guilt. It redeemed me from death. It redeemed me from caring what this world thinks about me. It redeemed me from my past. It redeemed me from all the mistakes that I've made. It redeemed me from uh, all of the problems that I dealt with. But more than that, it redeemed me for something. It redeemed me for freedom. And it redeemed me for purpose. And it redeemed me for value. You see, this Bible, church, is about a God who's in the redemption business. Now, I know when we talk about God, we say God is love and God is mercy and God is peace and grace and forgiveness. And he is. But because of all those things... God is in the redemption business. You see, God is in the business of taking that which the world deems unvaluable, that which the world deems used up, that which the world deems a mistake, and giving it value. Because you see, the beautiful part of our story is that even though I seem to have no value in God's eyes, 
I never lost my value. I just needed to be redeemed. And I tell you all of the redeemed story because if you really think about it, what we've been studying in the book of Nehemiah is an incredible redemption story. I mean, I know Nehemiah has some great lessons on leadership. It has some great lessons on uh, how to get a vision and cast that vision to other people. It has some great lessons on uh, how to overcome adversity, overcome opposition, some great lessons on how we can seek God's will for our life and follow through with it. But at its base root nature, think about it. It's about a city, Jerusalem, God's perfect city, God's city that was the place where they built a temple where God would dwell with his people. It was about this place that was called a a shining city on a hill for all the nations. It was God's uh, apple of his eye. It was his city created for him to be in communion with his people. But because God's people disobeyed and because God's people turned their back on him, the city was destroyed, was wiped out, was burned to the ground. But God, in his compassionate, redeeming heart, had a plan. And he sent a vision to a man to travel, to face adversity, to face opposition, all because he wanted that city to be redeemed. It's a redemption story, much like your and my story. I want you to see what happens to it. If you've got a Bible, if you've if you got... Your blue sheet, I want you to look at this. Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 15. And we kind of glanced over this some last week. But I want you to see what, what really takes place. See, this great city, all of a sudden, because of their disobedience, is destroyed, reduced to rubble, reduced to trash, uh, deemed worthless, deemed uninhabitable. But God's plan comes through. And uh, we see in chapter 6, verse 15, God's plan come to fruition. So the wall was completed and went on the 5th of Ehul in 52 days. And when all of our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized that their work had been done with the help of God. Now, now what is he saying? He's saying that this wall that had been destroyed, the city that had been destroyed, the beginning of its redemption was its walls to be rebuilt. Nehemiah is declaring here that in 52 days, the wall is done. The wall is finished. The wall is complete. It's celebration time. It's dancing time. But, but there's something so cool that I want you to see that builds into this wall. Okay, I want you to think about this wall being up. This wall that had been destroyed. This wall that had been there for hundreds of years, almost a thousand years, that had been destroyed was now rebuilt. But there's something so cool I want you to see. If you flip back over in your Bible to Nehemiah chapter 4, and I've given it to you on the blue sheet. In the middle of one of the rants, the mockings that Sanballat, he's, he's mocking the people that are building the wall. He says this. He ridiculed the Jews in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria. And he said this. What are the feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? He's mocking them. What are you guys doing? You think you're going to finish this whole thing? And then he says something that is so cool. Can they bring these stones back to life from the heaps of rubble burned as they are. You see what was going on? Now, I want you to see this. You're going to have to stay with me and catch the big picture. 
Nehemiah is called to restore the walls. And as they're getting ready to rebuild the walls, they don't just go out and get new bricks. They don't make new bricks. All laying around are the broken remnants of the old wall. Broken pieces of stone. I mean, these are the the stones that were cut by the followers of David. These are the stones that were cut from Mount Zion, the stones that were dug out of bedrock around the Jordan River, stones that had been laboriously put together with bricks and with mortar and with straw, and generation after generation had poured their blood, sweat, and tears into making this citadel of God. These stones had withstood the Assyrians and the Philistines, and now they're just laying around rubble. And as they begin to build the wall, Nehemiah said, pick up those stones. Now, it's a sand ballot, they were trash. To sand ballot, they had no value. To sand ballot, they were worthless. Look, they've been burned. They've been broken. They're in pieces. But you see, God had a bigger plan. Sand ballot says, can you, can you take these broken and useless bricks and bring them back to life? God said, yes, I can. And so what you see when you see that wall that they're celebrating in Nehemiah chapter 6 is not a wall of polished stone. It's a wall of burned and broken bricks now made beautiful. And I wonder this morning how many of us could say that description describes us this week. Some of you have been pretty broken. Broken over decisions you've made. Broken over things that have come up in your life. Broken over consequences to your actions. Some of you are burned up. Some of you are burned out. Some of you are on the verge of giving up. Some of you feel so worthless, so useless. Here's the question for us this morning. If God cares so much about burned up bricks in a city wall how much more do you think he cares about his creation you you see if God would go through this whole elaborate plan to see the wall of Jerusalem be redeemed how much more do you think he would go through for your redemption see I guess I need to remind us of a couple of things first of all you need to remember God doesn't make mistakes. See, God doesn't create junk. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 1 that when God created man and woman, he created them in his own image. The Hebrew there is imago Dei. That means that you were created, every one of you in this room, in the very image of God. Now, that doesn't mean you look like God. Some of us go, I know, you know, I'm, I look in the mirror, he's a God, right? No, that's not what it means. It means that you have the very nature, the very heart, the very character of God. You were created to be God's masterpiece. Matter of fact, it goes on in Genesis chapter 1 verse 30. God says after he created man and woman, he stood back and he said, this is good. And the word there for good is this is exactly like I planned. You see, God doesn't make mistakes. God doesn't make do-overs when he created us. He created you 
perfect. The Bible says fearfully and wonderfully made. Jeremiah says he knew you when you were in your mother's womb before you were a breath. He knew you and prepared you. See, you were perfect. You were created, Ephesians 1 says, to be to the praise of his glory. You were created to be the very mirror of God. See, there's a lot of people that struggle with self-image today. A lot of people, believers, Christians that struggle with self-esteem and issues with what they see in the mirror. I want you to remember you were created in the very image, nature, character of God. You're not a mistake. Stop buying into the lies of the devil that tells you you're not good enough and you don't count. See, God creates perfection. But you see what happened to mankind? Just like those bricks, sin entered in. And it clouded the vision. Disobedience. Our disappointing God. Our struggles. Because of that sin, that perfect creation that God created got corrupted. The Bible says all of us in this room have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Because of that sin, who we were created to be is messed up. Some of you are still in that place this morning. You're like those burned and broken bricks. But you see, all during that sin time, God still had a plan. God wasn't done. God still had a hope. So the Bible says from the foundations of the earth, he sent his son Jesus Christ to redeem. Send his son Jesus Christ to shed his blood so that that messed up creation can once again become valuable. Redeemed. Redeemed. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. You know, what we need to understand is that if you've been redeemed, why have you forgotten? Why have you forgotten what God created and saved you for? For some of you this morning, you, you haven't been. You're struggling, burned up, feel worthless, feel useless. So what does redemption look like? People ask, what does it mean to be redeemed? Well, I always say it's three words, easy to remember. First word is forgiveness. See, the greatest picture of redemption is that God forgives you. People say, well, God doesn't care about your past. That's wrong. He does care about your past. He cares about your past so much that he made forgiveness the centerpiece of redemption. See, he didn't want you to walk around defeated and beat up by the things you did in the past. The Bible says in Psalms 103, he wants to take your past and your sins and your transgressions and remove them as far as the east is from the west. See, the greatest picture, the greatest idea of being redeemed this morning is that I can walk away from my yesterdays. I can walk away from the mistakes that I've made. I can walk away from the things that that I did that disappointed God. And you know the beautiful thing about that is? Somebody asked me, "Well, well, when is your past that God forgives? Well, it was 10 years ago or 50 years ago or five minutes ago. See, you've been forgiven. You're redeemed this morning. You've been forgiven. Stop living in guilt. 
Stop beating yourself up. Claim the name redeemed. Forgiven. Second thing redemption means to me is freedom. Freedom. You see, while forgiveness is incredible, forgiveness opens the door to freedom. By the way, let me just say this. People ask me, what's the greatest miracle Jesus ever did? That's easy. He forgave me. He forgave me. I mean, think about it for a minute. How hard is it for us to forgive even the smallest slight against us? But yet God forgives you that quickly of all your transgressions. What a miracle. And when you're forgiven, then all of a sudden you're set up free. Free from my past. Free from who the world says I am. Free from the identity that people try to place on me. I'm free to live the life that God called me to live. I'm free to be all of a sudden that that picture of God, that image of God that he made me to be. You've been given freedom. For some of you, you need to understand that there is an opportunity for freedom for you. Some of you are still living in your chains. Remember the story a pastor told, a country pastor was going to work one morning in his church. He was walking from the parsonage. Parsonages used to be where the preachers would stay right next to the church. Well, he was walking in. And as he was walking, one of the scruffy country boys comes walking in with this old rusty cage. And in it were filled with these field birds, these birds that he had just gone and trapped And they were just laying around in the bottom of this cage. The pastor saw and was concerned, thinking about what the boy was going to do with these birds. He stopped him and said, listen, uh, what do you got there? He said, oh, I was just out in the field and I trapped some of these birds, but they're useless. He said, they don't sing, they don't chirp, they're not doing anything. He said, I'm probably just going to go out and mess with them and throw them away or kill them. And the pastor became distressed. And so I tell you what, why don't you let me buy them? Little boy said, you, you don't want to buy these birds. They're not worth anything. They're just field birds. They don't do anything. Pastor said, well, why don't you just let me buy them? So he bought the cage and he bought the birds. And as the little boy walked away, the pastor said he opened the cage. And the moment he opened the cage, the birds took off. And he said, and the little boy told him they don't sing. But the pastor says, I could swear I heard them chirping, redeemed, redeemed as they flew off. Because, see, that's redemption. See, some of you in this room, you're caged. Some of you in this room, you're shackled by your past, by your mistakes. But God forgives, and he sets you free. The third part of redemption, what redemption looks like to me, is God also allows us to have friendship. You see, when you've been set free from Christ and set free for Christ, you can now have a relationship to God. If I'm redeemed and I can shout, I'm forgiven. If I'm redeemed and I can shout, I have freedom, then I'm redeemed and say, I have a friend in God. Because you see, the Bible says when you lived in your sin, you were an enemy of God. But now that Jesus Christ has come and created in you a new creation, you can now be back to what you were purposed for. You see, what I, I didn't understand those bottles that I used to return. I said, what do you guys do with them? Do y'all take them in the back and have like a big BB gun war? I mean, why are you giving me money for these things? 
And one day the manager said, oh, no, we send them back to Coke. They clean them and sterilize them, and they fill them up and use them again. And he said, you might even be drinking from one Coke that you brought back yourself. And as a kid, that just blew me away. You mean that empty, broken bottle, that chip bottle, that bottle that didn't mean anything to me, all of a sudden can be reused? You see, that's what God does with us in redemption. That's what God does to us when he sets us free to have a relationship to him, to walk with him. And he gives us his Holy Spirit to guide us and to teach us and to lead us. You see, I can shout, I've been redeemed. I've been forgiven. I've been set free. I'm never alone because of who I am in Jesus Christ. Redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. His child and forever. I am. Sam Ballot looked at those bricks and looked at those Jews and said, Can you make these burned and broken bricks something valuable again? And I believe when he said that, God in heaven shouted, Yes, I can. This morning, God looks at this room. Some of you say, Pastor, you don't know what I've done. You don't know where I am. I know the God that makes broken and burned out bricks beautiful can do so much more for you if you let him. I want you to watch this video.
to take that which seems to have no value seems to be used up seems to be broken and reestablish value redeemed let me ask you this morning have you been redeemed and if you have how does it affect your life you see redemption is just a prayer away this morning just you're crying out to God and forgiveness and freedom and friendship wait let's pray Father there are so many of us in this room that the world would say is broken that the world would say is messed up that the world would say need help But God, you found value in us because you created us to be perfect. God, there are some that are going through so many struggles this morning because they don't recognize that they are a child of God, created in your own image. Father, I come against the lies of the enemy that tells them that they're not worthy, that they're not pretty enough or fast enough or smart enough or good enough. Because, God, they are a child of the King. Father, I pray there are some here that feel like those bricks burned up and broken. We look at our lives and it seems to be littered with brokenness. God, I pray this morning they would embrace your redeeming love. That, God, they would understand as your love washes over them, that, Father, they've been forgiven, they've been set free, they've been redeemed. And, God, if there's one person in this room that's never experienced that, somebody that has never really embraced and given their life to you, that redemption, God, I pray before they leave this place, they would just cry out to you and ask you to redeem them. Father, we thank you. We thank you for our God stories that are littered with broken past that stand proclaiming redemption this morning. God, we love you and we bless you. Be with us now as we worship. In your name we pray. Amen. Would you stand? Worship with us. great is our God. And how great is our God.